outside. We couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome everyone to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is our Royal Rumble special. Wow, exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. 30 men, one winner. Yeah. This is, there's going to be 30 men on this podcast? (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) Did you know, Quinn, it's friend versus friend or foe versus foe? Oh, really? It's craziness. Oh, wow. This is this is nuts. <laughs> Folks, we are glad to have you back with us here. I, of course, am Joe Murata. This is the one and only Michael Quinn. How you doing, Quinn? Howdy. Howdy. We are just days away from the Royal Rumble. And yes. on this special Thursday edition of our Vantage Point, we have a very, very special guest. All the way from Saskatchewan, it is the one... The only, the godfather of the Smarks, if you will, <laughs> Mr. Scott Keith. How you doing, Scott? Uh, the godfather? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, you know, Pippin ain't easy. So. <laughs> That's your gimmick. I, I was it. hoping we would have a countdown timer for Scott to come out. You know, he's the third entrant in here. <laughs> That's right. Scott, thank you so much for being back with us. We really appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome, guys. We, we are, Quinn, did you know this? Mm-hmm. We're on the Place to Be Nation now. We're in that place. Oh, Scott, Scott had the keys to the place and he let us in. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're in now, yeah. I'm like the maestro. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, of course, if you aren't checking us out on the Place to Be Nation, why don't you head on over there, placetobenation.com. They have some great other podcasts, Quinn. Yeah, they have some good stuff over there. They so really do. You can hear more about the Royal Rumble coming up. You probably can. a reviewer, too, will probably be on Absolutely. there. Absolutely. It's yeah. a great place to be. In fact, it is the only only place to be in your pop culture world. This is true. But there are other places that we be. Oh, we are on various places. Where do we be, Quinn? Well, we are on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, mm. Stitcher. Right. Uh, your one and only favorite, uh, Player FM. Who cares? <laughs> uh, Blueberry. And, Blueberry. Yeah, so... We are in various places. Also, we have a website now. That's right. We do ovppodcast.com. You can find us on the Twitter at ovppodcast. You can email us. Does anyone use that? Scott, do you use email? I occasionally use email. (laughs) Yeah, I I think. It's pretty retro now. (laughs) It is. It's retro to use email. Yeah, I know everybody makes fun of me because I don't really know how to use Twitter, but... Uh, <laughs> don't worry, I don't know either. Joe handles that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really understand the point of it, to be honest, but yeah. It's, like, it's good for bothering uh, wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. I have found. <laughs> it's true. You can talk They'll to- actually talk to you. All I know is that whenever I, it's, it's whenever I, whenever I tweet something on Moro and Owl, he retweets it, so that's pretty cool. That's, well, that's he, nice of him. He's a very nice retweeter, that Moro. I like him. I do, too. But our email is ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. Scott, where can people find you these days? Oh, all over the place. I'm, uh, of course, at the, the famous blogofdoom.com. Mm-hmm. I, I also maintain a secondary presence at rsbwfaq.net. If people want to check me out over there for some non-wrestling stuff, really, I, you know, I haven't been there in forever. What, what's going? What goes on over there? Oh, not much. I that's mostly where I where I, you know, if I, people have comic book related stuff that they want to post on there or uh, 
fantasy football and all that crap that I don't care about. <laughs> and, uh, I, I put it put it on there for them. Uh, also, of course, I write for the Sporting News. Yep, uh, I do four four columns a month for them, which is a pretty cool gig. Uh, I write for InsidePulse.com. Uh, technically, I write for WhatCulture.com. They're always asking me to keep coming back there, but I've, <laughs> I'm I actually I've never I haven't written a column for them for for quite a while now, but. Uh, I appreciate the flattery, and uh, someday I'll, I'll start writing for them again because I really do enjoy it. Yeah, that is a cool site. What, it is a nice. Yeah, I like that site too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, folks, with the Royal Rumble mere days away, we are not here to talk about this year's. No, no, no. We'll leave that to the experts of current professional wrestling. Uh, excuse me, sports entertainment. Yeah, we're we're very behind over we, here. <laughs> we we don't, we don't do that. I mean, yeah. we're watching the VHS tapes on our CRT TVs down here. Coliseum video edition. Coliseum of video. <laughs> no, we're here to talk about Royal Rumbles of Wrestling's past. And Scott, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick, sir. Mm-hmm. What do you know about how the Royal Rumble got started? Uh, basically, it was based on Pat Patterson's experiences with the uh, the annual San Francisco Battle Royal that Roy Shire used to hold, uh, used to be basically the biggest card of the year. And of course, Pat Patterson was a big part of that promotion, along with Ray Stevens. And yeah, he, he brought the idea to Vince McMahon. They workshopped it for a couple of years. It was actually kind of a tremendous flop, the first, even the, the pre-88 Royal Rumble. They, they ran one in, uh, in 1987 and didn't do very well at all. That must have not been televised, I'm assuming. No, it was it was in uh, it was in St. Louis. It, it didn't do great. It was kind of like a huge flop. People didn't really understand the concept of it, but they worked it out and turned into something that was quite successful for them. And as an added bonus, allowed them to screw over Jim Crockett. <laughs> I, I was I was going to bring that up, Scott. So the first Royal Rumble, folks, in 1988, in January of '88, it aired for free on the USA Network against, uh, I believe, Bunkhouse Stampede. Is that right, Scott? Uh, yes, that's correct. Is the, the Bunko Stampede was supposed to be Dusty Rhodes' crowning battle royal achievement, <laughs> and Vince basically decided to find a way to one-up him. <laughs> now, also, Scott, you, you probably know better than I, but is it true that Jim Crockett retaliated with the first clash of the champions going up against WrestleMania Four? Yeah, that was that was basically his revenge. Was his own own free TV? It wasn't. It was, it was less even Jim Crockett than it was actually TBS. Oh, in, in general, it was yeah. Like Jim Jim Crockett didn't necessarily want to compete directly, but yeah, T- TBS was really quite pissed off about uh, USA Network cutting into the pay per view revenue because you know they had recently they were recently getting into business with Jim Crockett, and that that was kind of a huge chunk out of their pocket to get into the whole the whole fight with the cable companies. So right, he was kind of pushed by the Turner organization to to do that. So I was going to say, yeah, the Royal Rumble, the first one. So that's the actual reason it was on USA Network rather than pay per view. And that one is right. only twenty man, I believe. Correct? It was twenty man. The format was tweaked slightly. The the times were all over the place. In in theory, it was every two minutes, but it was it was drastically <laughs> different as far as what came out. Yeah. So they were still working out some of the kinks. Um, the, one of the other aspects of it was the the kind of the every man for himself aspect of it didn't come along until a couple of years into it yeah, as well. I, it wasn't really established at that point. The that's later ones, point. they really make a big the deal The later about ones, that. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah a very exactly. Point. The first one was basically your standard heel baby face kind of stuff in it. So yeah, every heel's heel stuck together, baby face is stuck together, and uh, yeah, it's, that's one reason why it didn't work as well, I think, as, one of the, as some of the later ones, once they kind of let loose and got into that. Out of curiosity, Scott, you had said that the first one, the 87 one, by by what means did it not work? The just the reaction of the crowd because it's not televised. So how did they judge yeah. the feedback there? Like it, it was a, well, it was a very hardcore crowd in St. Louis at that point, 
and yeah, essentially, yeah, there, nobody, people just didn't, just didn't understand the concept of the battle royal with people, you know, coming out in increments rather than everybody. Yeah, like a reverse battle time. royal. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of reverse battle royal. Apparently, it wasn't it wasn't very well worked, and it was kind of there was aspects of it that were rushed, and yeah, it just didn't. Uh, Apparently, it just didn't get over very well. This is, this is the main kind of complaint that came out of it. Scott, I, I had heard of that, um, I believe, in the recesses of my memory somewhere, but I don't know who won. Do you happen to know who won that first one in 87 offhand? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say Junkyard Dog, but not I know that he wouldn't. I mean, have. that sounds like somebody they would put over in 87. Randy Savage, maybe? That I think would make I Randy sense. Savage. Yeah, that would make yeah. sense, totally. Now, uh, the Rumble 88 folks also has, I just wanted to comment on this as we work <laughs> our way through the years, among other things, a terrible Ricky Steamboat-Rick Rude match. <laughs> I don't remember much oh, about it's that bad. show, to be honest with you. Do you remember that match, Scott? It's pretty awful, especially for Rick Steamboat. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty boring stuff, yeah. he was. Uh, they're, they're basically working a headlock for, for 10 minutes in that. <laughs> Uh, the thing I remember most about that one was a woman in the front row with a megaphone who was yelling at Rick Rude the whole time. <laughs> Again, we hear some of the banter about ringside. Looks like a fan out there's got one of them custom Jimmy Hart megaphones. Out shout the mouth of the south, huh? It's just, I don't know if they got distracted or, or, or what it was, but yeah, everybody was just completely off their game in that one. What wow. I always find interesting about that rumble, just in the, that whole show in general, is that show seems to have been like, Nobody had that anywhere until the network, really, it became widely available. It's like one of the rare things that wasn't really, like, distributed. I, I, I bought was there a Coliseum it. of no, that? No, I bought it. No, there was not, no. I yeah. had it from eBay, you know, like a third, fourth generation copy. I didn't even borrow that from you, even. Like, <laughs> I, I think I was more interested of, like, the pay-per-view version right off the bat when I first got into it. And, I mean, it has, I want to say, just to start up, it is one of my favorite matches of the year. I would say it's one of my it's like in my top two things that I always watch in wrestling. I it hear. is true, folks. It, the The last couple years, notwithstanding, uh, the Royal Rumble is a hotly anticipated match, and, and Quinn, especially, you know, knowing him as long as I do, it is one of his personal favorite matches. No matter how that happens. bad wrestling gets, I will always <laughs> sit down and watch the Royal Rumble in late January every year. Scott, what do you think of the Royal Rumble in general as a concept? As a thirty man over the top rope battle royal, you know Royal Rumble with a with a prize, you know usually the uh, the shot at the title. What do you think of that? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely one of my favorite things of the year. I mean even in the in, in the dark ages of you know two thousand six to two thousand and eleven, when I wasn't really watching very much, that was the one thing that I always make sure to take time to watch every year. It is exciting. Yeah. I mean, I would say like if I was to say like why I like it so much, I've always liked the. It feels like a lot's going on. Like, have you ever, when you watch the Rumble, it's like, I just like the idea of, like, you got different, like, stories and feuds and things intersecting and, like, you know, you don't know who's going to come out next and, you know, PC people, like, oh, yeah. struggling in the corner to throw people out. I mean, that was <laughs> just, it's just like the the minutia of it is almost what I love about it so much. It's just the, like, that even though, like, somebody's getting an exciting entrance, it's like there's still other things happening at the same time. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that, that really hurt, I think, when, um, when Pat Patterson got phased out. Yes. Yeah. Is one of the main creative people is, like, the last few years, it's been very kind of formulate battle royal stuff um and, and patterson especially up until about 2008 or 2009 when he kind of got like say, got, kind of got phased down that was kind of his main thing was he was juggling you know all the, juggling all the storylines and making sure that people knew when to come in and get 
and go out and you know this this person's doing this and kind of you know conducting traffic and uh, that, that was one of the things that uh, last year's one had really improved upon because they had basically Chris Jericho in there for an extended period of time. Yeah. And he was acting as the air traffic controller for all these guys. And it was actually a lot more effective, I found. I, yeah, I would say it's it's definitely become more – it's more focused around spots. Like every year you got to have Kofi Kingston do like a balancing <laughs> act on the outside right, and right. do all this garbage to get back in. Or each person like is supposed to do one thing and they're all like getting ready for it rather than like actually fighting each other, which is – was the fun of it really if you ask me so yeah and folks i want right, yeah i want to take us through here so the first rumble like we mentioned uh, was 1988 jim duggan won that one and <laughs> what do you think of that i know uh i mean he why not a good mid-card baby face what do you think scott uh yeah i mean it was fine it was duggan duggan was um kind of in the midst of uh of a bigger push at that point than he ended up getting. Yeah. Uh, like the, the idea at that point was, you know, to, to make him to kind of be a, a top of the card baby face to kind of as, as you know, an understudy to Hogan. So I, I could understand how they, they kind of put him in that position there at that point. So, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was just, you know, like it was the first one. It was something to send the fans home happy. So it was, it was okay for what it was. Yeah. yeah. It seems like those first two, because big John Studden wins the next one. It almost feels like there's no, Motivation, yeah, not, there's, not there's motivation, not, but yeah. there's no big prize. I mean, there wasn't officially one until 92, but yeah, it, it's like you have a mid-card babyface in 88 winning it, and then... Basically a mid-card babyface in 89. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I hesitate to call that version of, of John Studd even like a mid-carder. I mean, I guess he was, but It's like but, a comeback you know. thing. It really, was. It was right after he returned. I mean, Scott, you you know the, the Rumble 89, obviously, John Studd won that. Your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was, again, kind of a weird one. Uh, the big John Studd thing was supposed to be a big push for him. And then, of course, he kind of flaked out and, and left on there. Uh, Studd was, was not the ideal guy. Uh, but I mean, at that point, they didn't really know what they wanted to do with, with the Rumble as a concept. Right. It seems like it wasn't, it didn't really have, you know, focus as an event at that point. They were still trying to figure it out. Yeah. I was just going to say, Scott, it, it seems like those first two, just looking at just who won, yep. Like it seems like it's all just like okay, we're figuring this out, and yep. then when we get to ninety, that's yeah. when it's like yep. now, now this right. is a thing. Yeah, and 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 that's what I was going to say about ninety. Ninety as a pay per view event, top to bottom, I think is actually kind of underrated this day and age. It's pretty fun, actually. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, d- d- it has that Rougeau's match at the beginning. Yeah, that, Bush- it's, the, it's with, comedy. They have the beards. <laughs> <laughs> and then like and I, you know what I love at, and I think at 89 it has a brother love segment but bro the brother love one at eight, at 89 with Duggan or whatever is pretty funny is that is that a thing or am I thinking of something else that's that SummerSlam 88 okay, but the, but uh, the, the one with love. Sherry at 90 <laughs> yes. that one's pretty hilarious and it's got a surprisingly good boss man uh, Jim Duggan match yeah yeah hey boss man boss man could bring it Hell yeah, he could. Those those are some f- the undercards pretty fun. Surprisingly competent runny r- runny <laughs> rugged Ronnie Garvin versus Greg Valentine submission match. Yeah. Not with the bad. whole like with the thing on his leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the heartbreaker or whatever. Versus the hammer jammer. Yeah. And then of course you have Brutus Beefcake against the Genius, but it's actually entertaining. It's not a good wrestling match. Now that at ninety, that's what sets up for Brutus versus Perfect Correct. at, at yeah. WrestleMania six and then mm. And it's kind of funny because now I'm thinking of WrestleMania six where like um Brutus puts the genius in the sleeper hole and he's jumping around like a fool. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean those Royal Rumble undercards, that's I mean, 
once we get later, they become more prominent. But yes. even from the beginning, they were always, I always thought were very like entertaining, like, because you also have in your mind, in your mind's eye, I guess, you know, like, well, it's only like an hour of the show or something. Or yeah. An hour and a half, hour of, and a half of the show. Yeah. It's not like the whole thing. So you can deal with it. I would call 90 Scott and maybe you'll agree the, the Royal Rumble match itself, the first really good Rumble match. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially, you know, like, you know, just just in terms of like you know general memories and reminiscences on it. I mean, like you know, the, of course, everybody recalls the most famous spot in the Royal Rumble ninety match where you know Warrior and Hogan yep had, yeah. had the showdown for the first time, and I lost my goddamn mind. Was, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's like mega powers level of confrontation right there. You it know? is like if you that, yeah. that was like the next biggest thing. But yeah, well, I mean, like, and, and I mean, like, it, it, even 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 more so because like my the big fear that was going through, you know, everybody in school at that time was that, you know, was, we we're going to get stuck with Hogan against Zeus at WrestleMania. <laughs> it was a big match. And I was in terror of that. And then it's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, Hogan yeah. and Warrior. Like, you know, and it's like, okay, now we can work with this, right? It's yes. weird to think looking back that the Warrior is your, is your like savior there because like <laughs> yes, exactly. the Warrior's not like known for his match quality or anything. No, now, no. Maybe I'm crossing things right you right now. never <laughs> that's i feel like that's my trademark but is is Royal rumble 90 the one where like is it is savage like jumps over the top no, or no. something Which, what am i thinking of that's 92? 92 okay never mind then. we'll get to that we'll yeah. get to 92 yeah um one I, I totally agree with you scott about uh the warrior hogan confrontation at 90 i thought it was a very well booked royal rumble match too it's very exciting there's not a lot of dead spots <laughs> they they seem to have more of the um the formula down for how to do a Royal Rumble versus the previous two years. Yeah. And a lot of it too is like, you know, you, they're like, okay, well, we're going to throw Rick Martell and Greg Valentine. Oh no, Valentine was in that one, was he? No, they anyway, they had, they had Rick Martell in there for extent. Yeah. For like really, really extended period of time, you know, so they had, there was a few guys in there, uh, Ted DiBiase as yep. well. You know, they, they had the guys that they could throw in there. They, they could do the long match. They could direct traffic and keep things going and, and work the match basically, which is another, another smart thing to do. Right. Cause then that way as well, you, you get these guys controlling it, but then you also accomplish the storyline of, you know, the, the guy who's in there for the long term. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you expand somebody to, to, to be invested in, which is another kind of kind of smart thing there. And of course, then you had Mr. Perfect going in there and, you know, throwing his ass all over the ring like a crazy <laughs> man. It's interesting you brought up the whole um the whole number one thing because I and, and you said DiBiase almost in the same breath. I always remember DiBiase paying for his spot. Right, yes. Another another awesome thing I miss. Yeah. I, I loved also that and that brings up the whole other aspect of the rumble that I love is the whole drawing of the numbers and the vignettes with that stuff that's some mm. that's some of the oh, best yeah. aspects of the rumble is and i love that they started to bring that back they did it did disappear for a while but the whole the roller thing and yeah. i like how they always <laughs> some stick jerk with, doing yeah. the roller yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then the, the best is at 89 i think it is where dibiase gets with slick about working yes. something out i'm gonna put that in in post i love that little clip where it's a great clip that Slick's whole thing like, is quiet brother, too, which is unbelievable. Funny. You yep. know, and it's a yep. fucking awesome little segment. <laughs> yup. When you picked uh, your numbers for your voice today, uh, were you happy with it? <laughs> brother, unbelievable. Yeah, I, the numbers are part of the game, and I really like that aspect. That it's just it's 
that they that they thought to have that little detail in there and that's nice and that little nod to continuity with how DiBiase bought number thirty mm-hmm. at eighty nine and then he's number one at ninety right one that one that's right. Couldn't buy his way out of it that time. Exactly. Yep. Same Scott, at 92. Is he, he number one in 92? Oh, you're right, he is. Yeah. No, Bulldog's number one. Well, he's number two. But. Fine. They never really ever mentioned that drawing number two is just as bad as number one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you while we're still on 90 here. Do you know, is there really any truth to this longstanding rumor that Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect, was originally supposed to win Royal Rumble 90, but Hogan politicked. Or is that just made up? No, I'm pretty sure I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> you made that up. Oh, you were the star. I, I, I don't know if I made it up, but I, I think a lot of it came from 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 people. Yeah, like a, like <laughs> people reading my stuff. See, and, uh, you are the Godfather of the Smarks. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's, uh, it's something that happens often, unfortunately, which is kind of like a wrestling observer phone tag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> well, you're here to clear the record. No, it was it was always Hogan. There was there was no there was definitely no consent. Especially uh, going over the observers now, like just reading about what a tremendous flop that poor Kurt Hennig was, uh, mm. and on the main events of that, like that, there was no chance he was winning the Royal Rumble in 1990. Right. You know what? And personally, I agree. I'm not a major Hogan fan. I do like Hogan, but I agree with him winning that because especially the last two years, you had mid card slobs winning it. Why not give it to Hogan? Well, okay, I have a little. Annoyance. Why? Come on. I I must. I I also have to disagree with that. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My reason is because first of all, he wins ninety and ninety one. Right. I didn't say I liked him winning ninety one. But what I don't like in the first one in ninety, I don't like the champion winning the Royal Rumble. I hate. But why? He's the best wrestler. Exactly. But he's the champion. Shouldn't he win? Uh, I, does he need it? He does he even, hey, does to he even fair, need to be in the Royal Rumble? To be fair, he didn't win in 89 and neither did Savage. And Savage was a champion and Hogan was Hogan. And neither of them won. Yeah, but I mean, also the Royal Rumble didn't matter as much as we were talking about. Fine, so. but... It, was didn't more, ma- it didn't matter in And 90. it looks like they're in those early ones that they're more emphasizing that, like, you're like an Andre type is better to win. You know what I mean? Because Duggan, Duggan's like a roughhouse guy, and Big John Studd especially is more of an Andre He looks like crap. Well, he always looks like he got out of bed. <laughs> but. Let's let's turn the floor over to, to Scott Keith. Your, your thoughts on the Hogan's uh, Rumble 90 win? Well, actually, I would, I, I, my, my stance would be reversed uh, from Queen on that one. I actually, I, I think Hogan should have won in 91. Just, just hmm. because the well, well, we'll get into it. The slaughter thing was such a fuck you to the fans that they had to <laughs> that Hogan had to win. I mean, it's just that, that was the one thing that was going to send him all happy. Um, as far as 1990 goes, I would have went with Warrior personally. Okay, uh, fair enough. Warrior was in it, you know, because you know this that's that's the way to give him that would have established the, uh, the the precedent. I think of the Rumble winner going into yeah. WrestleMania and getting the title shot. It would have given Warrior more momentum because God knows, as it turned out, he needed more momentum than he had. Yes, that's true. Into, now, uh, Scott, actually, yeah. I I have one thing about that. Do you think we look back at that more with the eyes of like the winner of the Rumble faces the champion at Mania? If you know what I mean? Like, because we're looking back at like 90, oh, yeah, 91 and, and thinking of it that way. And that wasn't established until 93. Right. Right. It wasn't established in 93, but I mean, it was, it was kind of established in 91 because Hogan won and then yeah. he had to face yeah. the champion. And then Jack Tunney's like, oh, the number one contender <laughs> is Hulk Hogan. Yes. But I mean, it was such a, it was such a logical concept to have that, have that show a couple of months before WrestleMania and have somebody win and get, get the big win and, and go on to it. Like, yeah. You can also look at it that Hogan winning made him seem even more unbeatable when he did face Warrior at WrestleMania six. 
Yeah, but I mean, most people no, most people didn't think Warrior had much of a chance to begin with, which is the thing. That's a good point. You were around at that time. You were a fan, and I know you weren't a yeah. Hogan fan. What did who right. did you think was going to win at WrestleMania six? I thought Hogan was going to win. You really I, did. Wow. I, I was cheer- I was cheering I was cheering for Warrior, but I really thought Hogan. I, I couldn't see Hogan. Couldn't see Hogan losing. Wow. That's it, crazy. Until, until it actually happened. It was, it was mind-blowing to me when it happened. It was actually, it was big coverage in Canada, obviously, because it was in Toronto. Yeah, but, Sky at the time, And they were interviewing guys like, like Angelo Mosca <laughs> on, on the news. And, and, you know, even he was saying, you know, well, you know, Hogan's, Hogan's probably going to win this one even days before that. So, I mean, it was like the, you know, it's like Hogan always says about Andre, you know, like, like oh, no one knew if he was going to, you know, lay down, brother, until... It came time and couldn't tell. I don't blah, buy blah, blah. that. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, believe that I either. Know. No, nobody buys it. It's total bullshit. But I mean, it's the same. It, it was the same kind of feeling, though. It was like you know, nobody, nobody was going to, nobody was going to believe that Hogan really was going to, you know, lay down for Warrior until it actually happened. Right. Was, Before we get away from thing, that, because it's Hogan. Would yeah. you would you say that 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 feeling of Warrior winning at six is as close to like the Undertaker losing the streak? Like, was it that like unfathomable? Uh, it. Like I say, I was I was really hoping for it to happen. So I mean, I, I don't know if it was terribly, if it was that unfathomable. It was really shocking, but it wasn't it wasn't on the level of the Undertaker streak because we'd seen Hogan being beaten before. True, at the mm-hmm. least, right? I mean, like you know, the Undertaker thing was was totally uncharted territory for that. Okay, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, you know, actually, actually watching it happen was was pretty shocking. I mean, like like I say, until until you actually see it happen, then you know you're not gonna. Not going to believe that that it was going to be a thing, and you know, then as it turned out, it was actually a horrible mistake to, to do it. But <laughs> it really was, yeah. and uh, you know, when we get to our WrestleMania special, we can delve further into that. I want to move on to '91 now. Now '91, yes, what a card! I actually really like '91. A personal favorite of mine. I know you like that opening match. One of the best um, opening matches oh, yeah, at best, the Royal Rumble. Best opening matches ever at the Rumble. Absolutely, yes. That would be who, Scott? You know, you know the match. Oh yeah, the Orient. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the Orient Express against the Rockers. The good yeah. version of the Orient Express. The good version, the bad company one. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Paul yeah. Diamond makes everything better. You betcha. Hell yeah, that is a not Saito. Yeah, <laughs> Santo. Sato. Sato. Never. Shinja. Shinja. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to call him. Hey, here's something crazy. I was I was actually in the, in the Observer's Archive now. Actually, in, in '91, there's something I didn't even realize was that uh, around August of, of '91, uh, Akio Sato actually came back from Japan and. They they were doing six-man matches with all three Orient Express members, which I didn't even realize huh. was a thing. That's weird. Yeah, that I've never so heard of that. <laughs> I know. This blew bizarre. my mind. I was like, this, yeah. is, this is crazy. They really won in the back, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, it was very, very short-lived, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't even realize this was a thing that had ever happened. Yep. I, actually, I think I vaguely have heard of that, but I've never seen anything of it, nor do I, you know, I don't want to see Sato. <laughs> yeah, because nobody cares about Akio nope. Sato. Yeah. No, no, honestly, no one. Um, they literally no. they literally kept him employed because he could speak Japanese and act as a, as like an envoy to uh, to Japan, basically. That's, that was... You're, you're right. He's at SummerSlam 93 amidst Yokozuna's Japanese entourage. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's whole job he, he's that. like the Funaki of back there. Yeah. Yeah, like Funaki is still with the company. absolutely is the Funaki of back there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so, folks, Rumble 91 has... Um, Unfortunately, Gorilla Monsoon and Roddy Piper on commentary. I wanted mm. to mention that because I, I like Roddy. I thought he'd be a better commentator than he actually turned out to be. Scott, your thoughts? Mm, yeah, I, I, was, I was never really into Roddy Piper as a commentator. It's a jungle back there, man! Those guys back there got hair on their teeth! 
he, he just like you know he was very enthusiastic but yeah, uh very i don't know he was just he was he was following jesse ventura and just yeah it wasn't uh I was, I was, I never really, never really bought him in the role. Basically, I felt like he should have been more of a heel commentator. I guess. Yeah. Was funny. Remember, as yeah, like kind of like the pandering babyface thing with Gorilla Monsoon just wasn't a wasn't a good match. He needed somebody to play off of. I think that's my problem with it is that it feels like a superstar Billy Graham thing where it's like two faces. Yeah. It's like, it's like what the like? Yeah. Oh, you're good. just not used yeah. to this, you know? Like it's, it's stupid for back then. Good comparison, Quinn. I, w- I wish like Johnny Polo was doing commentary back then. I Him wish Johnny like- Polo was always doing commentary <laughs> if like Bobby wasn't there. Yeah, or, exactly. Like, something. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like. You know, just anybody that Lord Alfred, like Duke of Dorchester, like any, oh stop, yeah. I, oh, now I'm thinking yeah, of some no. horrible. Oh, that's bad. The Duke is bad. I mean, let's not Duke compare Gardia. the Duke to freaking Roddy Piper, but still, there's this one ma- uh, show from '87. I think I read it in one of your reviews, Scott, from way back in the day, Coliseum, where it's like Bruce Pritchard, <laughs> yeah. Pete Doherty, and Mike McGurk are on commentary. Oh, God. Hello, everyone. Bruce Pritchard at ringside, right here in the Sam Houston Coliseum. Joining me at ringside, of course, the all. Always lovely Mike McGurk and the Duke himself, Duke Doherty. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what's funny about that one, too? If you're just going off another tangent here, D- yeah, Duke Doherty was so bad. <laughs> he was so bad at wrestling, too. He was he was, he was was so bad at commentary on that one that for the first hour I was watching the show because they hadn't shown the announcers, I literally thought that it was a rib where Bruce Pritchard was doing both voices <laughs> himself. <laughs> That's right. Spivey's showing a lot of ring wisdom there. <laughs> and I finally figured out, oh, shit, this is a real person. <laughs> this is, so that. <laughs> That's really he's funny. He's so bad. Yes, he he's really bad. Um, Rumble 91 has uh, a fantastic angle, and it involves Ted DiBiase and Virgil. And Quinn, I'd like to get your thoughts. I know that you like this angle. This is where DiBiase and Virgil fight Dusty and Dustin Rhodes. They mm-hmm. beat them, and that's that's it. You never see Dusty again. I would say this is like the number two angle of 1991. It's up there as I, far as longevity. As, I, and, as I've said on the show recently, rather recently, I went back and started watching all the old superstars from 91. And I was surprised at just the prominence of that angle. Like, literally every single week with that angle. All throughout the year. And I love it, to be honest with you. It's one of... I'm not a Virgil fan or anything, but I really like the Million Dollar Man, and I think it's like one of his like best feuds ever. And I love the whole Sherry getting involved. And yeah, is there a Virgil fan? No, not ever. Uh, not according to those autograph signings. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Scott, what did you think of that angle, especially the, specifically that that blow up there at Rumble '91? Oh yeah, no, it was fantastic stuff. I I, I loved it at the time. I'm absolutely, you know, it's it's, it's just too bad that. Mike Jones deteriorated so much as a wrestler between, you know, well, I mean, he was terrible to, to begin with, but then he, <laughs> he was terrible. And then he literally forgot everything that he could do in the ring at the time when he was a bodyguard. Right. So, yes. Just, yeah. If he, if he had anything in the ring, anything at all to back it up. Yeah. He, it would have been, would have been a huge, huge turn for him, which is kind of the main problem. I know Virgil's not good in the ring, but I think he played a very sympathetic baby face that like you could see him just get the shit beat out of him for a while and even i know it would get annoying sometimes too with roddy piper but there was something like Come lo- on, yeah yeah there was some, <laughs> there was something like lovable about it for whatever reason Espe- I, especially at rumble 91 when yeah finally when he's I'll, i just love the image of virgil down on one knee yep the million dollar belt in yeah. his hand you get down there and you pick that belt up right now and you wrap around my waist and DiBiase is being such a cunt. 
<laughs> and Virgil gets up and just whacks him with it. Yep. That is that might be the best moment. Like I always say, everybody's got a price. You know, you know what too. There is another. There, there is another layer to that one too, which I also love. Not only the fact that that, that DiBiase is such an ass there, and Virgil gets you know hits him with the belt, but then Virgil hits him with the belt, and he gets a look on his face like, "Oh shit, what have I just done?" Right? Yeah. Like, you know, like this is you know I've now you know I've thrown away you know my my meal ticket now. And guaranteed employment, right? You know, like that was an interesting nuance you didn't see very often. It's interesting too, if you even think back to like all the things Virgil would do, even when they were like tight. Like I always think back to WrestleMania six when Virgil like saved him from the snake, that like whole elaborate save where he like (laughs) like runs out with the belt, gets it safe, and then like saves him from the snake too, and puts him (laughs) under the ring. Like it's like all this stuff Virgil did for him. it, It totally makes sense that nuance that should be there if DiBiase is losing him. It's like, this guy literally would bail him out all the time. (laughs) Yep. Like... That's true. Say, you think Sherry's going to do any of that shit for him? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. Sherry's pretty dangerous out there, though. Yeah, uh, Sherry, and we we had actually a whole segment on Sherry uh, several episodes ago. Um, Sherry is one of my favorite people ever. DiBiase, the pairing of the two of them is still the weakest out of out of the pairings that she had. But it might be even more nuanced than Virgil ever was. I maybe um, a I lot of the stuff there with yeah. we shouldn't rehash. I don't want to get all yeah. off on a tangent about Virgil. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it's not worth it. Nobody what, does. <laughs> what about the Royal Rumble '91 match? Because isn't eh. that? Am, eh. am I wrong here? But is that the one? I'm probably just going to be wrong yet. Is that the one where Rick Martell like gets the record or whatever? Yeah, it's actually I think that's true. DiBiase was 90, wasn't Martell 53 minutes I think in 91? Yeah, some crazy amount like that. I just yeah, remember so. Gorilla just keeps mentioning that like forever. Yeah. Like Oh, he's at 45 minutes, fraud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in the next year he keeps talking about it and I I feel like that was the earliest point where they would talk about the time record that in DiBiase and and, 90, and yeah. also the bushwhacker that got knocked out in <laughs> seconds, yeah, or whatever four seconds. I personally the the Rumble match is one of my least favorite parts of the '91 Rumble. Believe it or not, I don't think it's very good. I'd like to get your thoughts, Scott. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I honestly don't remember much about the '91 yeah. match. I mean, obviously, we all know what we remember about the Royal '91 card, right? But uh, yeah. yeah, slaughter. Warrior. Yeah, I mean that. Slaughter and just in the end, the awesome stuff with Savage and the yeah. best yeah, running of all time. Yep. In my the opinion. best friend. Oh my god, I was so mad at Randy Savage. <laughs> I oh my, I don't need. I can't even tell you. I was just like, I wanted to see Ultimate Warrior just rip his head off. He's and shit so down his throat, obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. in that in that so run, so obnoxious. Like he, the, he the, runs in out of nowhere, falls on him with a yeah. light. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hits him with a scepter. <laughs> like such an asshole. Yeah. Oh, you know, and like, you know, the fact that he attacked him on the rampway was one thing, and it's like, you know, Warrior gets rid of him. It's like, okay, now he's gone now, but no, then he comes back again. It's, it's just like, a, oh, And on top my of that, God, Sherry's getting involved. Sherry's like, involved. Yeah. yeah. The fact, and, and not, and not only the fact, you know, like, that he, not only does he keep coming back and screwing over Warrior, but he screws him over so that Slaughter can beat him, and oh, God, it's just. <laughs> With an elbow oh. drop. <laughs> with an elbow drop oh, oh yeah man. Just, just, not even a flying elbow drop nope. but just a regular yeah. elbow drop and he just pins him even hebner Makes doesn't so mad just thinking about it now <laughs> dave hebner's date the look of disgust on yep. hebner's face when he's making the pin like oh there's oh, a man. bullshit yeah. chant from Great the crowd <laughs> just automatically went down the three count but i, I think we've had a 
disqualification. Hey, but that's how you get a heel over right there. It is, man. Uh, to what you know degree it, that 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 held? It didn't really. By seven, everyone knew that Hogan was winning. But right, still, I mean, that was that's a great angle. But the Rumble match. Ugh. I mean, first of all, you know what always pissed me off as a kid is the whole. St- storyline thing of warriors chasing macho man around so we don't get macho man in the 91 rumble ah yeah i hate mm. that i that always pissed me off you as a know kid. you know how mad i get if macho man's not involved in something big back <laughs> where he, then where he should be because yeah. i always i'm like the biggest fan of him and like if anytime we were watching an old like superstars or anything i'm like when's macho man like every time <laughs> like so for him to not be in that rumble always you know pissed me off too yeah that that rumble the match itself not very good in my opinion the undercard combined i think is more entertaining than even the boss man won it once again against the barbarian good little match there yeah surprisingly good match actually they yeah. get boss man brings it uh yeah they go out there and they they, they hit each other they it was uh it was pretty slow to start but yeah it turned into a Turned into a hell of a match there, I think. Actually, really, a really, really underrated one. I Absolutely. Think. I mean, that Bossman was awesome in 91, and Barbarian wasn't half bad in 91 either. I don't know. Half bad is, you know. <laughs> well, half good. Half good, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, overall on that, I mean. Let's, let's, let's not go crazy with the phrase here, but uh, <laughs> it was watchable. But, yeah, no, it's no. Bossman boss got something really good out of him. And, um, of course, folks. The winner of the 1991 Royal Rumble, as we previously mentioned, was the immortal Hulk Hogan. The Hawkster. See, I don't... I get what you mean, Scott. After the, the big double bird to the fans that was the Ultimate Warrior losing, I see what you mean about Hogan winning. In fact, I can't think of anyone else in that rumble that yeah, who, who, who else are they gonna put over there right like there's nobody well, yeah. i mean nobody's especially when you know hogan's got to face slaughter at, at wrestlemania yeah there, i mean i guess the only other person that would have made sense is if macho won but the only way he that would heal yeah but the only way that would heel. i'm saying the only way that would work is if warrior the thing is too, it's not you know just the fact that the hogan winning has got to face slaughter it's just like the heat in that slaughter match was just is too there's too much heat it was too yeah. bad they had to <laughs> You know, we think about now because, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it was such a flop. It was so ridiculous. But I mean, like war, the, the war with Iraq was a real thing at that point. Like yeah. there was a real fear yep. about that. Right. You know, that was yeah. that was some dangerous heat that was that was in that match. And they had to do something to to cool it off. And, right. you know, it, it, Hogan had to win. Like, that's that's always been my stance. Is there an American so, flag at the end of that Royal Rumble? Too? I am don't I, am know. I, I think isn't that WrestleMania 7? I'm not sure. Who cares? I mean, uh, yeah, they, they were they were they with from Survivor Series. They were doing that who crap. Cares? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean you know, the war the, the war had been blowing off a week after that anyway. Yeah. So like, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was some amazingly dangerous heat in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really that was probably the most slaughter was ever over as a heel. You know, I mean, that run, not yeah. in the '80s. But uh, folks, we've been chatting away here with Scott Keith. Uh, we've made it up to 1991, and after this short break, we're going to be back with maybe the best Royal Rumble of all time. Woo! That's right. We'll be back <laughs> right after this. You're listening to Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast, the fastest growing weekly episodic retro wrestling audio podcast in the world. WWF superstars completing the Royal Rumble for the undisputed WWF Championship, including Jake the Snake Roberts, the Barbarian, the model Rick Martel, the Berserker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Nasty Boy Sags, Repo Man, Star 
Jet Slaughter, Alliance Real World Champion Ric Flair, Hercules, Colonel Mustafa, The Macho Man Randy Savage, Skinner, The British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, The Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, The Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, The Texas Tornado, Virgil, The Undertaker, The Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! And welcome back to our Royal Rumble special here on our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Good to have you with us on this special Thursday edition as we get ready for the Royal Rumble this upcoming Sunday. I am, of course, I'm Joe Murata. This is Michael Quinn. And also, we have Scott Keith. How you doing, Scott? I'm still doing good. Thanks, guys. You got it, man. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, Quinn. Yeah? What do you think of this place to be that we're in? It's a very nice place. It is a very nice good place. Bathroom. Oh, good. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this nice driveway. Yeah, good front door. You know yeah. what? Maybe if we're solid, really, if we're really nice to Scott, maybe we can get him to make a dank meme for us. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> uh, folks! We have been cruising through the uh, the early Royal Rumbles here, and we last discussed obviously 1991. Before we proceed. To the mm-hmm. next year. I think the three of us can all unanimously agree that the the Royal Rumble match there is the best one that has ever happened. And in light of that, I think we'll spend a few minutes and talk about that, that match, the card and the match. And we could obviously go through year by year into the 90s, into the early 2000s. But for the sake of time, uh, for us and for you listening at home or at work, wherever you are, I think we'll uh, we'll cut off our year by year at 92, and then we'll just take some random, you know, discussions and things like that. So, gentlemen, do we all agree that Royal Rumble 1992 match is the best one that they've ever done? Without question. Absolutely, because the other one doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who won there that one. There used to be one that was really about. good, too, but I just can't remember yeah, now. I don't crazy. know what you mean, actually. Something yeah. to do with oh, Lord Voldemort. Something, yeah. something to do. Something yeah. to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, folks, in 1992, this was the first year officially that the Royal Rumble actually had a tangible prize. And that prize was... The WWF World Championship. It had been vacated because of a back and forth between The Undertaker, of all people, and Hulk Hogan at Survivor Series in this Tuesday in Texas in late 91. Tony said, fuck it, (laughs) vacated the belt, gave The Undertaker and Hogan preferential treatment in the drawing. They drew from 20 to 30. So you've got Hogan, the former champion, you know, the Hulk Hogan in this match. You've got also a former champion, The Undertaker. You've got the Macho Man Randy Savage. You've got Rowdy Roddy Piper. You've got Sid Justice, who was still a hot face at the time. Not only that, you've got an up-and-coming Shawn Michaels, who had mm-hmm. just turned heel. You've got the British Bulldog. You've got the old stalwart, like the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. And most notably, you've got fresh off the NWA slash WCW from six months or so earlier, 
you have got the nature boy, Ric Flair, entered into this Royal Rumble. The prize is the World Heavyweight Championship. So right off the bat, this is exciting. It's like the person that wins the Royal Rumble, it's not just Fat John Stud <laughs> waving in the crowd and that's it. Yeah. It's not the Hulkster posing for mm-hmm. nine minutes and that's it. No, no, no. The winner of this, the winner of this match gets the World Championship. Unprecedented and very exciting. Scott, I'd like to get your thoughts first. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh we're out of time yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah no it was uh it, it was it was fantastic uh obviously the one of the best book royal rumbles ever um it was you know the one where they really nailed the, the concept completely uh one of the the great things about it was of course the the running commentary from bobby heenan through mm-hmm. the whole thing like you can it's, it really added to the drama of it because you could feel like the palpable terror in his voice every time yep, yep. something happened with Flair and Gorilla Monsoon kept poking the bear over and over yep. again, you know, <laughs> pointed all the people up and they, they kept dragging up all these old storylines like, you know, Roddy Piper's issue with Ric Flair and Texas Tornado yep. has an issue with Ric Flair yep. and, and, you know, everybody's going after him and, uh, and then you had, had other running storylines like the Jake Roberts, Randy Savage feud mm-hmm. was running through there as well and Flair having to capitalize on that and, and navigate those those waters and then it was it was broken up into a bunch of little mini mini segments basically you know where the ring would be cleared and be left with flair and then you start a new little yes little mini segment yep. and be cleared you're left with flair you know and it was just yeah it was just a fantastic hour of professional wrestling and one of my favorite matches of all time absolutely and you know what you know what i always liked about it Ric Flair drew number three, but he didn't, I like this, he didn't draw number one. He drew number three, which is still a sucky-ass number to draw. Yeah. And, Quinn, I know one of your favorite things is, like Scott mentioned, the, the Gorilla Bobby interaction, because Flair comes out, and what happens, Quinn? Okay, this, this I've been, like, pining while you were saying Bobby the Brain Heenan, because one of my favorite things that happens when he comes out is, like, he comes out first, I, like, remember this whole thing, like, Every, like, aspect, like, I can see it as we're talking about it. Like, Flair comes out, he comes out, and Bobby's like, no, no, no. And and you hear this, like, tink, 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 tink. Like, I just, every <laughs> little thing perfects behind him. But I just, I remember the one thing, and it, it always cracks me up, is Gorilla just yells, you could kiss it goodbye, brain. The That's right. And like, <laughs> yeah. and, and like Bobby's just trying to rationalize it at first and like he's just blowing up. Yeah. No, uh, damn it. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> and, and some of the other Bobby things that go on in that rumble is like anytime like Flair would like team up with somebody, he'd be all about them. Yes. And then if yeah. they like turn sure on Flair, all of a sudden he would like become like hate them. Yes. Uh, Jake Roberts, Roddy Piper. Yeah. One of my favorite things that Gorilla does is of all people, the barbarian comes out. <laughs> And Gorilla's just like, Barbarian doesn't like Flair. (laughs) (laughs) He's just... And Bobby's like, he doesn't like anybody. He barely liked me. He's not a hairdresser on his day off. Oh, my... One of the best announced shows. Barbarian doesn't like Flair. Barbarian doesn't like anybody. When I managed him, he barely liked me. Why do you think they call him the Barbarian? Not a hairdresser on his day off, you know. The whole the whole sequence with with right the whole sequence with Roddy Piper 
as well as one of my favorites too. <laughs> the, like like you're talking about there, where you know where where Piper and Flair are teaming up, and and he's like, "It's a kilt." I knew yep. it's. He's like, "I always respected him. It's a kilt." And then Piper turns up, he's like, "No, it's not. It's a skirt." I yep, knew yep, it all yep. along. You know, just like, <laughs> "Oh God." No, no. Almost a DDT. I never thought I'd say this, but thank you, Roddy. It's a kilt. It's not a skirt. It's a kilt. Hey, look at Roddy. He's giving it to both of them. Well, you no good freak. You skirt wearing freak. And Quinn, just for your edification here, that's the event where Macho Man jumps over the top rope. Ah, uh, thank you. But they let him back in. Yes. yes. He <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I, I I always like I always thought that to be funny because the next Royal Rumble, the same thing happens, kind of. Well, no. Savage but he loses because try- of it. It's worse. Savage yeah. tries to pin Yokozuna at yeah, the next exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, it just went with, in my brain... Savage it, doesn't know how to do Royal Savage Rumbles. Did, Savage is good at everything in wrestling but the Royal Rumble. <laughs> like, in my brain, that's always yeah, how it He equated. misses 91 he because missed, he's running around the arena. Right. He eliminates himself in 92, and he tries to pin someone in 92. Yeah, it's just like, Sa- Randy Savage just doesn't understand the Royal Rumble, and it's okay because you're just good at everything else so. <laughs> so back to 92 so this is and folks if you haven't seen it and i don't understand why you wouldn't if you're listening to a retro wrestling podcast but if you haven't seen it you've got to check this out the rumble match itself it's a little over an hour is it flies by yeah because it is so perfectly booked and i'm sure it's pat patterson you know you come in here and then you mm-hmm. throw him over the fucking yeah, rope throw him over the fucking rope yeah yeah it's got to be patterson right scott yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cla- classic Patterson. Like I say, it's, it's all the hallmarks of his great of his stuff. You know, where everybody's got a little storyline in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the timing is perfectly perfectly set out, which really helps it a lot. Like yep. I said, everybody's every it's broken down to little segments as well, so that you know everybody can meet their marks perfectly. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. And what I always thought was interesting about that Royal Rumble, it's a little thing, but you know how we were talking before about how D- they always made a big deal about DiBiase and what number he had and all this. Mm-hmm. I find it very odd but interesting that he's eliminated immediately the yeah, you know, his, that was weird like his his, his back was fucked. okay like, that's why that's, i yeah. i never really asked or looked but i just was thinking about it when we were talking about that just now and yeah like, it's a weird thing dibiase was deteriorated by the day at that point it's amazing he was he was part of the tag team champions for as long as he was yeah that was a nice run that they gave him but that's a, a story for another time you know another great thing about 92 and I don't know. I mean, I wasn't watching at the time. So maybe before I say this, Scott, I'll ask you. Did you have any idea who would win this going in? Oh, yeah. I knew Flair. I, I you knew Flair. Flair. Now, was, I knew that, Flair. was that common amongst people that watched wrestling at the time? People really thought Flair would win? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. The, the feeling was going to be either Flair or Sid. Yeah. Now, my question, my, my second question to follow that up, actually, that's a good question to ask, but... I've always, I find the subject of WrestleMania 8's main event kind of interesting, and... It's a hot topic on the blog. Yeah. It always is, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, if Flair wins it, I just never, I still, to this day, do not understand why Hogan wasn't facing Flair, like, in some form or fashion. I know that they had the Sid brought him out thing but i mean yes. rick flair versus hulk hogan for the title at wrestlemania well, just seems so I, yeah i, I like, i'm totally with no you I, I get your i get your line of thinking i know the other side of it too i want to pose this one question to you scott and then and then i want to get your take on this here 
if it is true that Sid versus Hogan was the plan the whole time, then mm-hmm. was Flair versus Savage also the plan the whole time? What was going to be the world title match? Yeah, well, I mean, Savage legitimately wanted to retire. So I, I don't think Flair versus Savage was necessarily kind of the plan at the, at the point in the summertime. We're thinking of there, but yeah, Hogan, Hogan Sid was definitely set in stone. Like they, they brought Sid in and spent a lot of money on him and, and basically promised him that WrestleMania spot against Hogan. You know, so I mean, that, that was always going to happen. Whether it, I, and I think it, the original intention was that it was going to be for the world title. May I as ask, well at some point. though, if you're going to have Sid versus Hogan at eight, right? Yeah. I'm just, I, it just, something just doesn't add up because I know Hogan's gone by after WrestleMania. But like, yes. Oh, Hogan didn't know that, though. Yeah, no okay. one knew that. Okay. Nobody, nobody knew that. That so was not planned was the, at the time. was the assumption that they could hang on to Flair and Hogan for by the time they got to WrestleMania 9 or something? No, like, I why would no. they? I just feel like they just passed up on such a no-brainer, like, big match. Like, because I wouldn't think they would do Hogan versus Flair at, like, SummerSlam. They might have. I feel, I, I feel like it was supposed to be Hogan, Sid, and, and Flair Piper is... I, I, okay. Is, Based on the way that they were going with Piper in the fall, with, yeah, with that's Aaron, true. And, and then you know things just kind of fell into place with uh, Savage coming back, basically, and Warrior flaking out and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, just Vince lost confidence in Flair, basically. Mm. Um, it's just like the Hogan, the Hogan series in the fall was just is you know, Vince was great guns behind Flair, you know, you know, giving him that you know, the fake world title and everything like that, <laughs> acknowledging that thing and, and doing working the angle with him and all sorts of crazy stuff. And yeah, he just, and Flair just didn't, just didn't draw in that position. And, and, and Vince just kind of, kind of lost confidence in that Hogan, that Hogan Flair series. Basically. Yeah. I don't think it is ever going to be a WrestleMania main event or anything like that. But right. I mean, like, uh, but I mean, it's just, it wasn't going to be anything past what, what it was in the fall after after that point, you know, yeah. Vince just felt I think that you know it was done and uh, and there wasn't anything more to it. Yeah, uh, and yeah, WCW obviously proved that completely yeah. wrong. Well, Not- now, do you think the plan was always to get the world title on the flare though? That I don't know. Um, I feel like the legal problems kind of messed that up in a lot of ways. Hmm. Uh, I think there was a lot more juice in the you know Ric Flair. champion yeah i think yeah i think i think that could have went went somewhere over a longer term and and like say all the 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 legal troubles kind of threw a wrench in that one fair enough yeah uh, yeah it's 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 hard to say you know not to dwell too much on that but the fact that flair wins the world title does bring us to one of my favorite parts of royal rumble 92 and that promo at the very end oh yeah with the put that cigarette out and all that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Rick Flair, you have made world put that cigarette out. <laughs> I'll tell y'all with a tear yeah, yeah. in my eye. Yeah, that that's a great that, little promo. That, Bobby leaves the broadcast. Yeah, position. Bobby's in there. I mean, he was always Flair's manager. Yeah, he was. They he, they called him the financial advisor. I've been saying this on a few podcasts. He clearly was Ric Flair's manager, right? And he's yeah. basically managing from the commentary table. He was, it's, and that was he. He actually accompanied. <laughs> go ahead, Scott. Yeah, he actually accompanied him. There's a funny story behind that, if you, if you want. But yeah, he's yeah, because uh, yeah, basically uh, Bobby Heenan got in trouble. Um, he had passed out in an airport at one point uh, on a mix of basically prescription drugs and alcohol, uh, and he was on he was essentially on probation. And, you know, he couldn't get any, any trouble, and then charges would be dropped. So of course, Ric Flair comes in, and they immediately put poor Bobby back on the road with Ric Flair, uh, right? Yeah. And, 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 and Bobby. Nuts. Bob, <laughs> 
Yeah, Ric Flair's nuts, and Bobby Heenan's out there with two weeks, and he literally goes to the office begging them to take him off the road as manager. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, because like he's he, he just couldn't uh, he just couldn't keep up with the Ric Flair party lifestyle, and he was he was gonna he was gonna end up in some serious trouble. So that's why they put uh, they brought Mr. Perfect in then as the. That's right. his new, uh, what is it, financial consultant? Uh, Perfect executive, was executive. executive, yep. And yeah, right. Bobby, the financial exactly. advisor or whatever. Yep, right, the financial advisor. But yeah, that's, 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 Bobby Heenan was supposed to be, you know, was supposed to be a long-term advisor for Ric Flair. But yeah, he, he actually went to the office and basically basically begged them because he was being run ragged by Ric Flair every night. <laughs> yeah. <of the> road. <laughs> you know what? You got to hand it to Vince. I know we're, we're tangenting here, but you got to hand it to Vince, sticking it to the NWA. They get Ric Flair and they immediately put him with Bobby the Brain. Yep. That, that's like a bo- that is a match made to be. Yep, totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just awesome. So, all right, back to the Rumble now. <laughs> so, yeah. folks, I was saying, you know, it's a it's a great Royal Rumble. Words will not do it justice. It is so well booked. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Ric Flair wins. Here's an interesting thing I wanted to point out. A little minor tidbit here. So, Flair eliminates Sid. With Hulk Hogan's help, because Hogan is mad that <laughs> Sid eliminated him, even though it's a fucking Royal Bullshit, Rumble. Bullshit, by the way. Oh, I <laughs> yes. hate that. What a jerk off. It's every man for himself. Just deal with it, Hogan. Yeah, exactly. He knows the rules. What a puss. Like, seriously. Yeah. yeah. That guy, sometimes his character is, is such a puss. But yeah. anyway, the best part of that whole development is the fans are clearly behind Sid. Yeah. <laughs> They're like booing Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're chanting for Sid. Yeah. And I just find that hysterical because Hogan, after he lost the title to Warrior, he becomes insufferable. <laughs> That's it. Like, after yep. that, as bad as he might have been before WrestleMania 6, post, oh, yeah. post-WrestleMania 6 Hogan is absolutely a douche. I like to think of him as skinnier face Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, yeah, well, the crappy and, and, one. And, and obviously, too, the, you know, the period from... You know, at the end of 91 up to 92 Ugh, like that, yeah. you know, there's just there's so much stuff going on in, in the real world with Hulk Hogan. And, you know, and he's trying to maintain this image as the, you know, the, the hero of the children and, yeah. and the role model and everything like that. Every, now everybody can see through it. And, yeah, it's it was the real that was the first real cracks in the facade of, of the character that that was there with the steroid scandals and, and, and everything like that. And that was, yeah. you, know, you didn't really see it on pay-per-view. You saw it a little bit when he, when he lost the title to the undertaker, people were cheering, cheering that one as well, a little bit as well. But yeah, this was that, in that New York arena for Royal Rumble. That's where people just like let loose with the Hogan hate, you know? Yeah. Just like, Absolutely. I mean, it's no wonder Vince told him to take a hike for a while after WrestleMania yeah. eight, just to yeah. let everything oh, yeah. cool he, down. He had to get off TV to cool it off. Absolutely. Yeah. And they did pretty well without him, honestly, at SummerSlam and Survivor Series. A good year. Yeah. I mean, honestly. even without Hogan, the second half of 92, again, there's always crap, but those two pay-per-views, especially SummerSlam, they're pretty good events without Hogan. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. honestly, um, again, this is the Royal Rumble special, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll steer it back to the Rumble yep. here. 92, folks, needs to be seen to be appreciated. It's also got a pretty damn good opener. Not as good as the year before, but you get the good Orient Express again against Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart, the new foundation. Pretty damn good match. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, very enjoyable match, yes. That's yeah, a good one. You get Piper's first title win, the Intercontinental title I beats the Mountie. Yeah, me I too. Really oh, I love that, that match too. Yeah. That's yeah, that's 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 one of my favorite favorite moments from, from the Rumble too. That that match and Howard Fickle's call of it is just uh, Oh yeah. Just and no Yeah. yeah. And no! Oh, yeah. The, the, the one 
a caveat to all that that it deprives us of is Bret Hart being involved in that rumble and yeah. that match. Now, that was due to uh, contract negotiations with WCW, Scott. Is that right? Yeah. So the, the idea was that, that Bret Hart quit um, because his contract expired, but he didn't realize that he had to give basically notice in advance. Uh, so you <laughs> yeah. get, so, so like your, when your contract expires, it doesn't actually expire. So you're, when, when your contract expires, then if you haven't given notice 90 days beforehand that, that you're, you're leaving, then your contract automatically rolls over and you get a new contract again for the next year. <laughs> so Brent's contract was when he thought he was free and clear to go to WCW and, and the WWF legal department was like, uh, no, you're signed again for another year. So, you know, <laughs> so, so basically, yeah, that was, that was the reasoning there. So, so Brett had to lose the title, uh, in a, in a hurry there because they thought he was going to go to WCW and <laughs> yeah. that would have cost him a lot of money unfortunately uh, yeah uh, I'm glad he didn't go well, to WCW good thing he didn't because he ended up getting a world title push yes he did year, yeah. so. yes he did uh, so it's got that folks it's also got one of the worst uh, non-Royal Rumble matches which is the Bushwhackers versus uh-huh. the Beverly Brothers <laughs> including Jameson yes. Jameson is there but that's a commentary though because of Jameson that was weird too because in Canada there like primetime wrestling wasn't a thing. So like nobody no, nobody knew who like you know up in Canada we had no idea who Jameson was because he wasn't on superstars, right? Right. Yeah. Like he wasn't he wasn't a character that was featured on the regular TV. So it's like who who is this person? Like I didn't you know nobody understood. I have to say even if you don't know who Jameson is just Bobby the brain just pooping on him like the whole time is is worth the the price of admission right there. Yeah, oh he's he's he's, he's hilarious. the only thing to get you through that match. Yeah. And also there's a really unmemorable and pretty crappy LOD natural disasters tag match that no one gives any kind of a shit about. Well, Scott and Joe, you know how I feel about the LOD, so Yeah, you think they're <laughs> overrated? Yeah. So And that match is not a shiny example of their work, that's for sure. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. So, folks, uh, as I was mentioning, th- th- that's the greatest Royal Rumble match, though, of all time. Oh, Flair yeah. wins the world title. Great little backstage promo afterwards. And it set us off on a very good wrestling quality-wise, uh, some intriguing angles. Very good 1992. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's obviously Ric Flair's crowning WWE achievement, WWF achievement, yes, I'd is. say. Now, again, we're not going to run through each and every single Royal Rumble, but I did want to pose this question to you, folks, and I will start with you, Scott. What is your favorite non-Royal Rumble Royal Rumble pay-per-view match? Non-Royal Rumble Royal Rumble pay-per-view match. Yeah, you know, I mean, not the Royal Rumble. Right, okay. Oh, boy. Um... Heart Foundation against the Quebecers from '94. Oh, wow! Wow. It was one of them. I really, yeah, I really love that match. Great match. Yeah, that is a great match. It's actually a bit of a showcase for Pierre. (laughs) He's awesome in that match. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's actually really damn good. Johnny Polo's involved, right? Oh, of course. So that that would make Scott happy too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's many many things in that match that were, and then of course the Owen Hart turn after that yep. match was uh, kicked yep. his leg right out of his leg. Yeah, and that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. Kicked his leg right <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, kicked the leg right out of his leg. Yeah, that's 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 one of those. There's not too many other ones I can specifically remember off the top of my head, but that one I think is is one that's always always stuck with me as a really uh, really good one. So, and, and really, in that the Mounty uh, Roddy Piper match is always my favorite of mine as well. Yeah, I could I could see that. I mean, yeah. uh, Quinn, what about you? What do you got? I actually. As far as Rumble, like, undercards go, now, I do like the Rumble undercards in general, mm-hmm. but I would have to fast forward a little bit of what we're to a couple years 
later sure. to a Royal Rumble match that I oh, wait, just man. absolutely love. The street fight. Oh, damn it. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Yeah. That one popped into my mind just as you were saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I love that match. Yeah. I, there's so many things I love about that match. That is fantastic. Like, first of all, I mean, the thumbtacks were in the Hell in the Cell, but I mean, that they, they really played a role in that match. I also love the point in that match where um Foley's in the handcuffs, mm-hmm. and then The Rock, like, Hits him, oh, but yeah. not only does he hit him, he does like uh, he does something his with his arms elbow as he's move, yeah. yeah, as he's like fading into the like entrance way, and it like <laughs> is one of the funniest things ever. That's like, such a great match, and it really did help put Triple H on the map as a serious heel. Yeah, it's an MSG. It's probably the best Triple H match, I would say. Uh, I, one of in them, my yeah. opinion, in my opinion, yeah, he's had the, a few good ones. Yeah, but it to me, it's. It really is to me the best Triple that's H a match. Damn good match. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to argue that being your favorite match. Yeah. I mean, that's that's perfectly legit. I mean, I know. I I also like obviously at seventeen is a good one too. But Undertaker, yeah, it's not I, his I best like that match, match but it's not his best. But no. like I said, the Foley and as far as another good match, I like. You like uh, that one from a few years ago, right? I like that one. Um, Brock versus Cena versus Seth Rollins from fourteen. That was great. Is fifteen maybe? Yeah. Great match. Just honestly. That was a great match. Yeah. I, I, I know we're a retro podcast, but I do find it interesting that as far as matches in the undercard that I like, that it took that long for one yeah. to really strike me as like, holy shit, this is like a really good match. That was really good. Um, yeah. I remember uh, Seth Rollins, the elbow off the like onto top. the table or something like that. I and then, and then King, King. Yeah. King's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> holy is rare for like later king to say that but it's rare for later king to be entertaining in any way shape or form but he's in that match he's pretty good yeah uh i'd have to give um (laughs) quinn quinn you're gonna get on my case for this as you always have as long as i've known you i'm not saying it's the best match i've ever seen (laughs) but the question i asked was not best match it's favorite match and uh and Scott, you'll probably get on my ass too for this one. <laughs> but I actually really like, and I have sentimental reasons for it. It's the first pay per view I ever saw. I saw it on VHS when I first got into wrestling. Um, Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon from Royal Rumble 93. You are objectively wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Okay, me, fine. I, I get it. But well, Scott, he used to. When I went <laughs> to high school I know, with it's Joe, just, it's just your opinion, no matter how dumb it is. But okay, but that's I, I, I went to high school with Joe. We were like when we first met, we were both we both like bonded over being wrestling fans, and I had not seen the '93 Rumble at that point because I just didn't have access to the tape or whatever. Yep. So he he hypes the shit out of this match, like. Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon, and I go to watch this turn. That match was so boring. I I literally remember falling asleep, and like maybe I had to watch it over again. I'm not sure. I'm not positive, but I remember just being so bored. I can kind of understand, even if you if you said something like Bret Hart against Diesel, like that was that one's great. That was pretty great. That That one's good. I'd give you that one, but Brent Hart against Razor Ramon, <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> you know what's funny is they had a much better match at King of the Ring a few months later. They did, yes. They opened the show, and it was actually much better. But, but that was something I used to basically like rib you about for years, and yes. you would you would defiantly fight me over it until, just as a joke. Until yeah. Quinn and I had a gentleman's agreement that we, this is only like two years ago now. Quinn and I had an agreement we were going to sit down together, and we were going to watch this match together for the first time ever, and we were going to be objective about it. <laughs> and the end conclusion was Quinn was right. 
It is very boring, but it's still a sentimental favorite. As far as a better match, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but I love the Rockers Orient Express match a real lot. I, yeah, I, I sure. love, yeah. I love the street fight, obviously, that Quinn mentioned. I, I really, really love the Hearts versus the Quebecers as well. That was always a, a match I really liked watching. Yeah. Uh, Brett Diesel is pretty good. I don't like that it's a draw. <laughs> that's my main mm. issue with it. But yeah, I mean, that's off the top of my head. Uh, I'll go with Rumble 93, Brett versus Razor. Now I want to ask a different question. Do you feel that for the most part, the Royal Rumble winner has been very predictable over the years? Uh, Yes, I do. And that actually brings up a good point I wanted to talk about, too. Just on maybe a side tangent here. Sure. But I would love it. If it wasn't predictable, like one of the things that that always kind of, I don't know, enticed me about the Royal Rumble as a concept was the idea that anybody could win. But in reality, that never happens. So I had always I've always said to you, I was like, wouldn't it be great if like some like mid like somebody that just had no business winning it won it because it's dinner. Yeah. And they teased (laughs) the idea with Santino that one year. I love that moment when he's doing the, the best, crying yeah, cobra. Yeah, and it was one of the best things ever. Like, I don't know about you, Scott. Like, I think that's like, I it's predictable, and I, I have a feeling you would agree. But wouldn't it be nice if they kind of played with that idea more? Yeah, sure. And there was actually there was that those 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 years when you have the Royal Rumble winner, you had the Elimination Chamber in February, where you had where you know you set the world title match that you really wanted. Yeah. So it's like, well, why don't yeah, why why don't why not be a little bit freer with it? Because you can always take it back. You know, right. you can have Santino win, and you know, then somebody else wins the title shot from him at the at the elimination chamber because you got six million friggin' chances to, <laughs> yeah, you know, to go through to go through and reset things, right? So yeah, yeah. Like, I just feel like they've done everything with the Rumble. They've had the title on the line. They the, did the, forty men. The forty men. 40, the, yeah. They changed the time, but they've never actually gone with the. This is a basic concept from the very beginning that really anybody should have a shot. Uh, I mean, you're right. Yeah, like it's pretty predictable. I don't. I, I can't take the pulse of a of a time that I wasn't a fan at. But I'm pretty sure Scott, you were around then. That pr- everyone knew Yoko was winning in '93, right? Oh God, that was such a foregone conclusion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knew Sean was winning in '95 and '96. '96, uh, everyone knew. '95, I would say no. Really? Who who else was up in contention there to win? Uh, I don't know, I think I think Bulldog might have been possibly contention. I mean, yeah. I mean, kind of knew, but it was like it's still at the, at that point it was still like he was a small guy and and kind of considered like you know a, a mid carter. So I don't think it was especially in the weeks like you know about about a week beforehand it started to become really obvious that it was going to be Sean. But I mean, leading up to that, it was actually I wouldn't say it was poor at all. I think it was. Uh, okay. It was it, it was kind of a toss up, I'd say. But then, yeah, it's but you know leading lead up to it, then then obviously it was becoming more and more obvious that they were going to Sean versus yeah, the musical. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I would say um I mean ninety seven it, it's interesting because I didn't I don't remember what I thought I was watching by then ninety seven technically Austin won even though Bret Hart you know yeah well, everybody thought Bret was going to win and he was supposed to win but uh, was yeah. he really yeah well like that's it's it was kind of it, it was kind of screwed up the the, the finish like that but like it was. Uh, you know, that, that was where, where basically Vince Russo tried to make himself look smart by going on, by, by writing the magazine column about how, you know, oh, everybody knows Bret Hart's going to win, you know, because, yeah. you know, they were doing the predictions in there. So he decided to use the prediction that was the actual thing. So they, they changed the finish, basically. Oh, that's interesting. No shit, really. So yeah. Russo ruined it. That basically. damn Vic Venom. Yeah. <laughs> that damn Vic Venom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
bro. Yeah. Um, 98, I knew Austin was winning. Yep, everyone. Oh, you had to. Yeah, everyone did. Yeah. I'll be honest, 99, I also thought Austin was winning because of the whole no chance in hell. And usually, when does that ever work? You know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it actually worked. Vince won, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> It's a horrible Royal Rumble. I, I, hang on. No, no. hang on. Oh, that boy, is one of the worst rant. things I've ever seen. <laughs> I watched that shit live. I'm 13 years old. That Royal Rumble sucks so hard. It is the worst one off the top of my head I can think of. I'm sure they're worse. <laughs> but I saw that piece of shit live. You got fucking Dolga in it in 99 and Kurgan and all these pieces of shit. The match oh, like, oh, God, Scott, you know that one's bad. There's so much wrong with that match that we can go on for hours with it. It's, 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 it's the Russo booked rumble, basically. Yeah. It's, yeah. There, there's too many, too many dead spots with it. It's the exact opposite of the Patterson ones. Things are timed completely wrong. The winner of it, Vince, is doing commentary. <laughs> Dude, commentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Bullshit. You know, it's funny. That Royal Rumble's so bad that I swear I've like, that's one of those things that I block out of my memory. Like, Good. I, I rarely look at it or it go back sucks. to it. Like, I usually like, if I'm like looking at a list, I just like skip over it. I don't blame like, you. Um, but as far as like you know, just to kind of transition, you were talking about how that rumble's like the worst. Yeah, I feel there's really the worst to me is that Daniel Bryan one. Which one? The one where he, the <laughs> one where like Mysterio came out and like oh, everyone God. like pooed uh, on him. I think the Roman Reigns one was the. The, the one the next year was that was the worst one. But. I agree, Scott. Here's the only reason I have to be fair to WWE. I have to be as much as I don't want to be. Why? They never said Daniel Bryan was in the 2014 <sighs> row. They never did. That's Quinn. Right. I they know. Never did. But they I, never I just, did. Maybe my butt's still sore about it. I but. don't blame you because they were out of their fucking minds to think oh. that anyone wanted Batista to win it in 2015. Yes. That was a misfire. That was hard. Scott, what happened? Did you know any? Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. I, it just <laughs> Why? Like it was supposed to be Whose Daniel idea? Ryan. They, they felt like Batista was going to be a big movie star and they wanted to. Why? Oh, he would in. be a big just, movie star. He would. The, the only problem is that he wasn't Daniel Bryan. If, yeah. if you know, if God. Daniel Bryan wasn't there, then it would have been fine. And it was, it was a formula that's worked in the past. And, it, you know, it was a solid idea, but he wasn't Daniel Bryan. And that was the main main flaw with him. Same yep. thing with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was not Daniel Bryan. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Now, Scott, is is it really true? I think I read this on your blog, you know, at the time. Is it really true that they were going to bring back Batista? He was going to win the Royal Rumble and the main event was going to be him winning the world title from Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan was- had... That really, that really has. That was absolutely the. That was absolutely the plan that was considered to be set in stone. Absolutely, that's, that's still so fresh that it like makes me angry. Like, yeah, Vince I McMahon know. thought like, that was going to be the biggest draw in WrestleMania of all time was Batista against Randy. Well, he Orton. got yes. the best WrestleMania of all time. It just wasn't what he wanted. That was a great WrestleMania. But and that if, brings me to another Rumble, actually. Okay, go ahead. Because do you recall if I was to say another Rumble that sucks? Yeah, is the one the next year fifteen. Because right. awful. Because that, part, that one was god awful. Yeah. Remember the worst. Remember the part where like Big Show and, and like came to start dumping yes. people out, and you're like, yes. why are they giving me the finger at like my favorite match? Like fuck this company. Yeah. See, I really Roman think, Roman Reigns taking a nap in the corner for, for forty yeah, minutes. That's the Daniel other Bryan thing. comes out at the beginning of the match and then gets his ass kicked by Bray Wyatt like ten minutes in. Like it was, the whole match was a giant fuck you to the fans. It was crazy. Now that mystifies me that they could actually. Quinn and I watched that together. We watched both of those together, but we watched 15 
together and we were sitting there literally not even mad just in disbelief once daniel bryan got eliminated i think i literally no go ahead scott the the idea was that that is that they didn't want daniel bryan to win and they wanted roman reigns to win so they figured we'll throw out daniel bryan early people will get it out of their systems (laughs) and then they'll cheer roman reigns that was the thinking behind the match scott i think i had my hand on my forehead for like 60 (laughs) minutes straight like i just i could not fathom they had the best baby face in like ever 10 15 years yeah and they just what were they doing like they they cocked it all up i mean i know this is recent and we're a retro podcast but god it feels like an eternity ago now because they've just like the way the company is now it's like it's not anywhere like it was then that was a short but great little era to be a wrestling fan but back to the royal rumbles Remember that time Drew Carey was in it? What the fuck was that about? <laughs> Why? Why did that happen? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That was that was a pretty fun rumble, actually. The 2001 was just, yeah. you know, with Kane, Kane throwing guys out. And yep. Austin Talk Man was in that one as well. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, don't, I don't remember what Drew Carey was doing in 2001. It was, it was, I, I kind of remember. Who's on anyway, maybe? No, the Drew oh, Carey maybe. show was still on, too. No, well, I think I remember what the angle was. It was that Drew Carey was at, they were like in his hometown, or he was at the rumble, and something Something happens where he's he's spatting off and Kane hears him spatting off. You know he's running his mouth. I it was just something. It, it was just a nod to the crowd. I remember Haku coming out to that one. It's the that, oh, awesome. that was awesome. Remember the one where Mister Perfect was like yes. in the final four in like 02? Yeah, the, yeah. He was in the final three, I think. Right? Oh my god, I I was losing my <laughs> shit. I was like, holy shit! Like that that to, you know how I was talking about how like the nobody like that anyone would think would win would win. Like I thought we were actually like getting close to that nah. for like a second. Like he looked good though. At that yeah, Rumble. he looked great. It was great to see him again. Yeah, you know what kind of blows my mind is that Kurt Angle never won a Royal Rumble. Either. He did not. No, that's yeah. true. You know, I figured I, I would have figured that even you know in his in, in his his tenure there that that would have been one thing that because uh, he did everything else and uh, it just it's it's kind of strange that that was that one weird. thing that always eluded him, mostly because he was the Triple H, but. Yeah. You know what else? Uh, Bret Hart never officially won the Royal Rumble by himself anyway, because you have 94. <laughs> what do you think of that double ending, Scott? The yeah. Royal Rumble 94 while we're at it. Oh, I fucking hated it. That one. That so <laughs> I bad. Hate, I hate that shit, too. <laughs> Me, too. That, Lex Luger's that was not so, even... so bad that Vince McMahon apologized for it the next year on commentary, right? right? <laughs> he did. He's you know, like, said, well, we can, uh, Jerry Law, I think it was Jerry Law, he said, yeah, we could have double winners. And Vince is like, you hear the, in his disgusted voice, is like, we're never going to do that again. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that was that was funny. Uh, you know what really pisses me off about that? And, and it's Vince's stubbornness, but 20 years before the, the thing we were just talking about he was still i guess really trying to get luger over as the next hogan the fans clearly wanted brett the luger thing wasn't working and it just it's just so shitty that yep. brett just couldn't have that moment you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah, the fans I mean, liked him you know lex is lex is big and strong and you know vince is just not vince invested a lot of money into lex luger like, like yeah. a lot and a he was lot, gonna yeah. you know he they had to try to to get every last bit out of him and uh and yeah, by that, like I think, I think by that point, like where they did the the double thing, they 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 knew that they weren't going to go all the way with Luger, right? Anymore there, right? I mean, like it, it was pretty obvious then, you know, like the, the steam was running out on. I have on to the ask. Express. I have to ask Scott one question because it's a running joke. Yes, it, <laughs> and I don't even think it's real, but it's just I want to see. Um, oh you, God, Quinn! I know <laughs> no, it's not no, real, but go no, ahead. The, the, go the, like, go, Luger go, go, go the ahead. Luger win the bar or whatever. Ask. 
No, no. Before WrestleMania, it's supposedly Lex Luger it's not real. gave the finish. Yeah, no, it's not real. It's total <laughs> urban legend. Okay. Did you start that one too, Scott? I, I probably, I don't know. I, I seem to start a lot of these ones. <laughs> you did start the Ludwig Borga was going to win the world title or something. Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I believed that for like 15 years. <laughs> oh my God, really? Yeah. No, uh, yeah, there was, there was, uh, well, Ludwig Borger was like emailing me for a while, actually. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where that one came from. Yeah. President of Sweden or whatever he was. The, first of all, it's Finland. Second of all, he's dead. Third of all, he was never the president. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Some no, he was, yeah. That was, that was weird. I've, I've, I've had more than one wrestler who's, who's gotten into like email conversations with me where they, they, you know, they start to claim that, that they were actually going to be the, you know, the world champion or <laughs> whatever. It's, it's amazing. It's, I, 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 I had very interesting conversations with Scott. Rigs for a while there too when he was really? in ECW. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> talking about all the, oh, all, the, all the things he was done in WCW and like you know and his and, and the big money he made on his contract and all the plans they had for him. And it's like oh, oh, yeah. really? fucking Scotty Riggs, come on, yeah, now. fucking Scotty Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for emailing me, I appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a double edged sword. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. The I, when we're talking about memories of the Rumble in this segment. Yeah. I just thought of the Royal Rumble 2000 in general, and King is just—he's on fire during that. His commentary, his is commentary very funny. is really good during that. He, I just discovered this recently because I didn't notice it when I first watched it. But holy crap! I mean, he's losing his shit over like Funaki or T- oh, Taka getting Taka. thrown over. Oh, yeah. Taka! Yeah, that was. Oh funny my thing. god! Yeah. I, I, That's his last good year as a commentator, in my personal opinion. Was two thousand. Yeah. He was never the same after he came back in oh one. You know, after the Nishi yeah. Carter thing, and especially once he turned face in the mid two thousands, he just yeah. I mean, I like the guy and everything. Seems like a pretty good guy, but jeez, <laughs> what a he, he! That was his last good year. Yeah, as a commentator, you know what one. <laughs> You know what one of my least favorite things is about the Royal Rumble is in 95 when it was one minute intervals. Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, they had to because the roster was so thin at that oh, point. Dick they Murdoch. Couldn't, they couldn't do an hour Rumble. Like, it just yeah. couldn't. Yeah, it would have been it would have been brutal if you had Dick Murdoch out there for, you know, like half an hour in the match. Rick Martell out of nowhere. Yeah. Now, you know, 96 wasn't much better. Doug Gilbert, the fucking Doug Gilbert, head, no. the head <laughs> yeah, hunters. I know, the head hunters yeah. Some Wait, ch- Japanese guy that I can't remember. The rumble where like the promos, like those guys were like waiting there or something or 97 Pardon San me? Antonio one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the, Where they're just in the arena for weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, George like, Adam, yeah that was, George yeah, that was in the San Antonio <laughs> arena. Yeah. I, met, I met them in Edmonton. They were cool guys. They were, they were employees, though, right? Like random employees. They were employees. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, just to sorry to retread back to ninety five. As shitty as that Royal Rumble is, it's very shitty. Okay, believe it yeah. or not, that is the first one of the first wrestling things I ever saw, and yeah. it sold me on Shawn Michaels for the rest of my life. That like, is true. That turned you into a lifelong Michaels fan, and it's just it's funny because you know you shit on it as a longtime fan, but wow, it, as a new fan, that was very impressionable. I mean the i the the way he like hung on or whatever. Yeah, one foot. Yeah, one foot. I don't know why. Oh, I mean, just, it, was, it was a fantastic performance for Sean. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, it was shitty from everybody else, but no, Sean. Like that was the Sean Michaels show in that match. Absolutely, it yeah. absolutely was. The only thing that always bugged me about it is, yeah, he won from number one, but it was a uh, half the time. You know. Yeah. yeah, it's half an hour. Exactly. It, was, yeah, it, it wasn't, deal, right? but, yeah, it I wasn't mean, they as always, impressive. He could hang his hat and say he beat 29 men. 
And most yeah. guys weren't in there from yeah, I love when phase the, 29. I love man. when the guy that like wins at number 24 is like, I threw 29 yeah. people over the Get top rope. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, one thing I miss, and that's actually a segment on our new format, Scott. One thing I miss about the Royal Rumble in general is the pre- a pay-per-view intro with Vince just yelling the guy's names over the music. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Hercules! Skinner! Demolition Axe. Demolition Axe! Yeah. Sean Michaels! You know, it's so oh, Vince, Vince yelling stuff is always good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always good. <laughs> That's one little tiny thing. Well, I mean, I say, what you, say what you will about Vince, but I mean, he believes in his own product, right? Like, you know, he's yep. the guy who's going to get it over because he's the one who makes the money off of it. So, yeah. I think Vince was actually a decent, not good, wrestling announcer up until the late 80s, maybe 90, somewhere around then. Then he became the really over-the-top yelly, yelly, yelly. But one thing that Vince did better than anybody is he knew what to get over and how to get it over. That's right. And he didn't trust anyone else to do it except maybe Gorilla Monsoon. Because I don't think – I can't imagine Vince yelling in Gorilla's ear too much. Yeah, I don't think he did too much, but uh, maybe a little. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, he does it with everybody, obviously, a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you can you can tell, like with with Michael Cole, for instance, you can hear a lot of Vince's yeah. Vince's Vince's in his ear, right? Like you can you can hear that 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 same kind of thing that Vince used to do in the eighties. But I mean, you no, know, that's the thing though. It's it's Vince's story, and he's yep, and and he feels that he has to be the guy the the one to tell it. I never got that. He hired JR in 93 and then two, three oh, months God, in, he's JR. like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And it never made sense to me. Why did, would he hire him just to stick it to WCW? Maybe. If I, if I, maybe, maybe, yes. It's not outside <laughs> the realm of possibility. I, it just bothers me how much they shit on JR. Like they, it's just never, yeah, and I don't nothing think JR is no, the greatest human being ever no, either. But nothing he ever did was good enough for them. And meanwhile, their fans thought, literally think he's like the best. Yeah. One of the best they ever had. Right. So it just it uh, the disconnect the disconnect between Vince and his audience as far as what they think of the commentators is just bizarre. Just in general, Vince yeah. and yeah. But um, as we go back to the Royal Rumble here, before we wrap up, I said I missed the intros. I also used to really like, and I don't know if they started doing them again, but I don't think so. The little like ten fifteen second rapid fire promos they mm. would do before the rumble they match. started doing them i i feel like that was done at a they were rumble. missing scott for, maybe you know they were missing for years the rapid I know, fire I know promos yeah. yeah for sure yeah i always love those um yeah i think i, I want to say they did it recently too but uh i know they recently just on a kind of reverting to old school but it's a different pay-per-view but they they did the same kind of thing and it would be nice if they did this. Well, maybe you remember this, Scott. But do you remember when they did a control center for SummerSlam, like fifteen or something, two thousand fifteen? Oh, Gene Okerlund, like uh, Gene Okerlund uh, host. Gene Okerlund, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was awesome. That. There's something about, and you know, it was our our intro music um, for this show. There is something about the old themes, themes, yeah. That made the show more inviting. I know that sounds kind of vague, but especially the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble theme, I love that Rumble theme. Vince Yellen, the the promos, Fink explaining the rules. Oh God, the Fink explaining the rules thing. Always, I get like goosebumps when you yeah. like explain the only them. way to win. You know yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to bring up. Quinn, you got anything else before we wrap up? I don't know. I think we've pretty exhaustively covered the Royal Rumble. What's um, one of the stupidest things you remember about I the mean, Royal Rumble? If I was to think stupidest things, Undertaker Yokozuna casket match. 
Oh yeah. Oh, you know what? That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. You just saved us there because that is something we we would have totally forgotten if you didn't bring that up. How could you forget that match? (laughs) He ascended to the heavens. (laughs) That one is ridiculous. Oh man, and the double wide casket for that one too. It was double wide. Now, um. Did, was it ever confirmed who actually was in the costume that ascended the arena? Was it Harvey Whippleman, yep. Marty Jannetty? <laughs> it was Marty Jannetty. It was. Wow. It was Marty Jannetty. Yep. That's so funny. I, that seems like a very Marty Jannetty thing to do. Jannetty <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have a great Royal Rumble track record. Well, he doesn't have a great track record. You know what? Speaking <laughs> of him in general, I always love that they did it in 94. Um, they did it in 96. Anytime him and Michaels were in a Royal Rumble, they would always just... As soon as the other one came in, they would just punch the shit out of each yeah. other. I did like that, too. They, Even in 96, they do it. Same with Rick Martel and Tito Santana. Speaking of which, they, in, in 93, uh, horribly disappointing uh, Shawn yes. Michaels-Marty Jannetty match as well, oh. because they were both, you know, drunk off their ass, and, like, yeah, it was just... That should have been so much yeah, better. Yeah, that should have be been awesome. Also, that yeah. Sherry was supposed to get involved and finally blow all that off, too. Yeah, that... Oh, yeah. I, you know what? As it is, it's not like it's not horrible, but it's it, like you said, Scott. Very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Big letdown. Big letdown. Yeah, yep. it's still a decent match as it is, but man, that could have been. I the mean, only thing that's great about it is Lord Alfred Hayes being called a dirty old man. You're by a sensa- dirty old man. By yeah, sensational that's funny. But yeah, look at um what they did later on in the year. Right, Scott. I mean, geez. Exactly. Yeah. Look at what could have been. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good call there. Folks, we have enjoyed talking about the Royal Rumble of wrestling's past, and we are very thankful that we have had Scott Keith on here. And Scott, we would like to have you back soon, especially for our WrestleMania special when we get to that, but maybe even before that. It's been a pleasure, Scott. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, folks, we will see you next Monday, of course, after the Royal Rumble. We won't be talking about it because this is our retro <laughs> podcast. So get your cassette. Yeah. <laughs> put in your tape player. Yep. And we want to thank you again, Scott, uh, really, for being with us. It's it's really been appreciated. You're very welcome, guys. All right. So, folks, we will see you next time. And we obviously invite you to tweet at us at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your day. The weekend is coming. The Royal Rumble is coming. Anything else, Quinn? Have a happy Royal Rumble. Have a happy Royal Rumble. (laughs) So long, everybody. Crap in this ring. I'm out of inner.